Hi, my name is Bailey White. My dad is Garrett J. White, the Master Coach Mentor. 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 <laughs> You're listening to Warrior on Fire. On Fire. <laughs> Wake up, Warrior. Wake up, Warrior. Get ready. My dad is about to teach you men how to have it all, and the best part is he is going to show you how to be an awesome dad and husband. My dad is awesome. Can I get my $100 now? Welcome back here, Warriors, to Warrior on Fire. This is your host and the sermon provider here every single week. My name is Gary J. White, the Master Coach Mentor, and welcome to part two as we dive into the book of Acts here in the conversation of Saul becoming Paul. Ultimately, the drive to find your divinity amidst the darkness of your life. Sit back and relax. Here's part number two. All right, Jer, obviously right there. We'll edit in, put the fuse piece in, and then we're going to roll. Welcome, my friends, here to Warrior on Fire. Again, we are in the book of Acts, and today we're having a follow-up conversation to this idea of Saul becoming Paul, or ultimately the idea in our lives that you and I can find some of the deepest light in our darkness, that ultimately some of the greatest divinity that we'll ever find comes through our humanity and our experience of pain inside what many and even ourselves may label our destruction, the thing that we shouldn't have done, the thing that we shouldn't have experienced. And here in the book of Acts chapter nine, we've been discussing this journey of a man by the name of Saul. Saul, whose ultimate transformation not only changed his name, but gives us a perfect experience and the perfect idea and perspective of what it is to see how our lives themselves are always a coin, a duality, a balance between one side and the other. And so we're going to dive in. We're going to review a little bit about what we discussed here in the past podcast. If you haven't watched part one in this sermon series, I would encourage you to go back and listen to part one uh, because between that one and this one, it's been almost a month uh, since we've uh, broadcasted. Um, And again, we're committed to creating a whole lot different conversation here. We're going to be doing a bunch of different things with the way that we do the weekly sermon here on Warrior on Fire, as well as the way that we do what I call the daily fuel which is five-minute bouts of high-intense energy, practical application based upon how the sermon goes every single week. Ultimately, things that you can be about doing, brother, so you can create the results in your life beyond just the simple motivation, inspiration, and the conversation that we have here on the sermon on the weekends. So we'll be getting more details on that as this rolls out, but today we're going to dive back into the book of Acts. And so I'm going to give you a reminder, a reminder, and the conversation we were having was this, that, that oftentimes in our lives, you and I, as we're starting to search for and try to strive for obtaining power, the the dilemma is is that we've got to go through pain in order to get there. That ultimately we've got to be able to access the light that we're longing for through the darkness of night that maybe we're terrified of. This reminds me of an experience we had uh, when I lived in Phoenix, Arizona. I have two young little girls. I have an eight-year-old and a four-year-old, Bailey and Ruby. And uh, we were out in the backyard, we had a swing set, and that swing set itself, we're out swinging, we're having a good time throughout the daytime, and in the daytime, that's no problem, but in the nighttime, in the nighttime, this is a whole other issue. And so at night, we roll up into this swing set experience, and my daughters were were heading over to the swing sets, and the way the swing sets were set up is they were kind of on the angle on the side of the house, and towards the back of the house, or the side of the house, this was cast with shadow, and it was dark over there, and then on the back side of the house, there was light because the lights were being shined on the back, uh, back part of the home. And so as we walk up to the swings, my daughter's like, no, 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 I'm not getting on this. I'm scared of the dark, Dad. I'm scared of the dark because on the swing, they would ultimately swing back into the darkness and kind of disappear, and then they would swing forward into the light and then reappear. And this itself has not been an issue at all, all summer long, but for whatever reason, at this point, it was an issue for my youngest, Ruby. 
And so we walk over to the swings and the old one gets on the swing and she swings out into the darkness and disappears and then comes back into the light. And the four-year-old's like, no, daddy, I don't want to do it. I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. And I said, okay, no problem. Let us take a little walk then, sweetheart, into the darkness. Now I'm not using this language with her. I just said, listen, baby, you don't need to be scared of the dark. Let me show you. And so I pick her up and I hold her on my hip and then I grab the eight-year-old and I say, Bailey, come with us. And I hold her hand and I grab my daughter, the four-year-old Ruby, and we start walking into the darkness. We walk past the swing set into the darkest part of the side of the house, right back by the scary, scary shed. This is what the kids in the neighborhood called it, the scary, scary shed. And so we're standing back by the scary, scary shed in the middle of the darkness. Nobody could see us if you were standing out in the backyard because it was so dark on that side for two reasons. Number one, because of the darkness, but also because of the contrast of the light from our floodlights that pour into the backyard. And as we stood in the darkness and we looked out into the light, everything was clear. And from that place of darkness, inside the darkness of the side of the house, I could see not only in the darkness, but we could also see into the light. And my four-year-old stood there and she looked around and she looked around and she said, Daddy, this isn't scary. And I said, I know. And I sat there and I thought about how often it is that you and I, because of something that seems new to us or something that seems scary to us, or maybe, maybe even in our lives, our saw version of our path, the part that might be labeled as dark, the part that might be labeled as off the path, the part that might be labeled as wicked, the part that might be labeled as sinner, the part that might be labeled in even our own minds, that has us believe that we are worthless, that has us believe that we are absolutely the vile shit of the earth and that somehow if the world finds out that piece about us, if they uncover our Saul story, then we are no longer gonna be valuable as, quote, Paul in the marketplace. We're no longer gonna be valuable as, quote, Paul in our marriage. We're no longer gonna be valuable as, quote, Paul in our church houses from our synagogues or wherever it is that we operate and move day to day. And I'm here to have you consider that just like my daughter, as we walked into the darkness behind these swings and we stood in that darkness and we looked out into the light that not only could we experience the light for what it truly was, but for the first time, my daughter could experience that there was light inside the darkness. But so often we stand over on this peak of light and we look down into the void of night and we say, this is bad. I can't see the light in that darkness. Just like I'm sure Saul, who became Paul, had no ability in the beginning to actually see how everything he had been about, everything he had been committed to, had squarely set up the opportunity for him to live his calling as Paul. That without the, the calling first of Saul, there was no way for him to be the calling of Paul. See, if we're reading in this book of Acts and we're studying the journey of Paul, the one thing we can be, be, I'm going to have you consider is this, is that his journey is only as powerful as the contrast to where he was. See, if I tell you that a person climbed to the top of the mountain, but we have no contrast as to how high that mountain is. We're like, well, he climbed to the top of the mountain, but it was 10 feet. We're like, ah, it was 10 feet. That's lame. That's not impressive. Why would I be impressed about you climbing up a 10 foot mountain? But then I tell you it's Mount Everest and I tell you it's tens of thousands or I tell you thousands and thousands of feet to this peak and you had to climb through all this treacherous weather and snow and all this journey to get to the top. All of a sudden, the journey to the top itself becomes more valuable. It becomes more valuable because the journey to get there required a higher price to be paid. That the deepest pit or the darkest night was far contrast to that peak of light that everybody wants to focus on. 
And I'm going to have you consider in your life, brother, that your darkness itself is your gift, that the darkness that you've gone through, that the pain that you've experienced, that the painful past that you have lived through, your soul experience, whether through drugs and alcohol, sex, adultery, whatever that conversation was for you, bankruptcy of business, cancer in your body, wherever it is that it showed up, I'm going to have you consider it was the gift to lift you. That that drift inside your life, that dark drift was no different than Saul. And see, God wanted you to see this. Why? Because it's there. We don't see the story of Paul simply for the light that he was. We say, oh, here he is in his perfection. No, 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 no. We see him for his humanity and we see him for his divinity. We see him as the gift dualistically inside of both of these conversations. Here I am in my darkness. Here I am in my light. Here I am as Saul and here I am as Paul. And when you know both sides of these things of me, now you can truly understand who I am. And not only that, you can learn and you can grow because I give you permission to know that you are both darkness and you are light, that you are divinity and you are diabolical. And that in that process of life comes the beauty of who this is for you and who our journey is today. It took me a long ass time to remember this. It took me a long ass time to even consider this. I, I refused this. I refused this. And so I would swing from one pendulum to the other. I would reject everything about God. I would reject everything about Jesus. I would reject everything about religion. I would reject everything about what people were teaching me. And I would tell them, hey, you know what? I don't want to accept what you're saying. Because I don't know how, I don't know how to blend this conversation of my past known as Saul to this present reality you're calling me to called, called Paul. And because I don't know how to put this together and because everything about the message inside the culture of traditional Christianity, all about that message, that message itself says, listen, you're a sinner and you need to be forgiven. You need the atonement of Jesus. You need the grace upon your life. But, but we're not going to actually practically talk to you about how that's going to apply in life. We're just going to keep it airy fairy, way the hell up here. And then we're going to hope that you can put it together. And yet what's become the reality for most men is that we feel shame, we feel blame, we feel dark, we, still, we feel disdain, and we shove it down and we put it away. And not only do we not heal, not only do we not heal, but then we become disease-ridden with the suppression of these truths inside of us that cannot be seen, and yet here we have Saul, and Saul's saying, hey man, what's up? Here's, what, here's where I was. Man, I, I was beating the shit out of the Christians. I was knocking them out. I was putting him in jail. This was my calling. And I was passionately called to do this. And it's open and it's out there. And I'm certain that if we got to sit down with Saul and we got to have a conversation with Saul, that we would hear the details of all of the stuff that happened, going out with the boys and having drinks and doing the things that maybe, maybe just set him up to have the proper contrast in play so that he could live his calling as Paul. My addictions, my failures, my, my painful realities, my divorces, my cancer, all of the things inside of my past have prepared me for the present and who I am today. And I'm going to have you consider, brother, the same thing applies for you. And when a man starts to realize it, brother, we want you for all of who you are. Brother, we want you for all of who you are. We want you for the shit that you have messed up and we want you for the shit that you have learned from. And see, the game is this. You cannot learn unless you fail. We must experience quote-unquote failure in order to grow. But see, there's a process to this, a science I'm gonna teach you today that has allowed me to deal with my past. It's allowed me to deal with my darkness. It's allowed me to deal with my journey of Saul and to bring it into a powerful place as fuel to launch me into my current calling as Paul. 
Not get even right now. There's people listening to us. They're like, dude, you didn't get no Paul journey. Right now, you still sound like Saul. You still sound like a piece of shit that I don't want to listen to. You know, man, I get it. I get it. I get it. I ain't even asking you to listen. I don't even care. Unsubscribe from this podcast. Stop listening. Disconnect yourself from anything I'm about online. Don't buy my books. Don't, don't connect to what we're doing at wakeupwarrior.com. Don't connect to anything we're doing here at Warrior on Fire. Just disappear because guess what? It is going to do you harm. Do you harm to continue to sit around and make pretend that being angry about the message the way we're speaking about it here at Warrior, that somehow make, being angry about that's going to get you where you want to go. I'd encourage you to go find the voice that makes sense to you, the voice that connects with you, and the voice in the way that's going to allow you to drive to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish. Here we go, book of Acts. I'm going to go back through these verses because we started these and I'm going to go back through them again. And it began in Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest, verse two, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were man or woman, he might bound them unto Jerusalem, verse three. Then as he journeyed, they came near Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven for, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul. Saul, why persecuted thou me? And five, he said, and he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. In verse six, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me do? And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the city and it shall be told thee what thou must do. In verse 15, but the Lord said unto him, go thy way for he is a chosen he is a chosen, oops, whoops, we missed some verses here. We'll go verse seven. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And verse eight, and Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him unto Damascus. Nine, and he was three days without sight, neither did he eat nor drink. And I'm gonna stop right here. See, one of the challenges about, about us a day to day as men is that that when we do go to the void, when we're trying to make that journey of transformation, when we're trying to become a new man, when we're trying to become born again in Christ, when we're trying to become born again as men, the problem is there's a transition in this. There's a transition. It's not like I just wake up one morning and I'm like, hey, you know what? Things are going to be good today. Things are going to be good. I'm going to just change my marriage overnight. I'm just going to change my financial situation overnight. I'm going to just change my obese body into a lean machine overnight. I'm going to change the disconnected relationship I've had with my children. I'm going to change that overnight. But see, this is impossible. Nothing happens overnight, and it didn't happen overnight for Saul too. And I want you to consider the symbology of what happened here. In verse 9, and he was three days without sight. Neither did he eat nor drink. So he's heading along this path. And then he becomes blinded and he can't see and he can't hear and he's not sure what he's doing. He can't eat. He can't drink. He didn't do it. He's sitting in this place we call no man's land or possibly the place of greatest learning. This opportunity to sit in a moment and to contemplate upon, okay, where am I going? But see, he didn't know where he was being called to go. See, and oftentimes as, as God enters into our life, we begin to see this new thing opening to us. This new path begins to awaken inside our minds, inside our hearts. We begin to turn away from a life that we were living in order to live into a life that we've been called to live into. Maybe it's a relationship we've been in that we've got to change. Maybe it's a business industry we've been in we've got to change. Maybe it's the way we've been operating inside our marriage it's got to change. Maybe it's even the way that we believe and think about God. We're being called to change and this light shines down into our lives and God is calling us to see something from a different angle. But see, we're scared. We're scared because there's this transitionary time. 
There's this time where we don't want to eat, we don't want to drink, we're without sight. And he was three days without sight. Hell, maybe for you it's been three years, maybe it's been three months, maybe it's been three hours, I don't know, but I can tell you this. When making any type of transition in your life, there's going to be a time in which there is nothing but the void. And it's a confusing place and it's a disconcerting place and yet it's the one place where we begin to gain the fuel necessary to go. And in that place is where faith itself becomes the game we must lean on. And what do I mean by faith? Faith itself becomes simply the willingness to listen to the voice. The willingness to listen to the voice that says, listen, I am guiding you, I am preparing you. Right now, you, my ways are not your ways. You cannot see the full picture right now, Saul. And in order to interrupt you from the past game that you've been playing, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create this transitionary time for you of darkness. You're not going to want to eat. You're not going to want to drink. You're not going to have sight. You're not going to know where you're going. You're just going to know that you can't go back to where you've been. That going back to where you've been is no longer okay. Maybe it's for you in the way that you make money. You're like, you know what? God's calling me to stop playing so small. Maybe it's the conversation you need to have with your wife and God's saying, listen, you cannot keep maintaining this relationship the way it is. Going back is no longer an option. You must change fundamentally the way you're having that conversation. But in order to change the conversation, we're going to create a transition of silence. And maybe that literally has become no communication with your wife at all for days. And maybe even in your own life, as you've begun to pray and to reach out and you've been trying to connect yourself to heaven once again, there's been this time where you feel like your prayers have been hollow and the conversation has been hollow and even the desire to connect with God has disappeared. And you're saying, you know what, fuck it. I don't want to be in this place. And so we start to fight for the wrong thing. See, and Saul could have done it here. Saul could have started fighting for, to go back to the way things were. See, and this is what I did in the beginning. When I got into the void, the only light that I knew was light that used to be. And so my humanity inside of me began to preach for the one thing that ultimately would have been my destruction, which is please return me to the peak of, of Saul. I had no clue there was a Paul calling coming. I had no clue that there was this future that I was living into. All I knew was what I used to have. And so I fought to have it back not recognizing that resurrection and rebirth require a burning to the ground, a purifying fire of the past in order to elevate the new possibility in the future. And every second that I stay committed to trying to fight against the game and fight against the calling and fight against the journey that God was calling me to and fight to return back to what was, what I was fighting for was insanity. My marriage was never going to go back to the way it was because the way it was was inadequate compared to the way it was going to become. I was never going to be able to go back to the way I was believing in the past because the way I was being called to open up my belief system about God was calling me into the future. And I could not see the light in that future day. I could not see the light from that darkest night. All I knew was I couldn't go back. And brother, this is scary. This is scary because it requires you to put your marriage on the line. It requires you to put your family on the line. It requires you to put your business on the line. It requires you to put your relationship with your current religious belief system on the line. It requires you to put life on the line and to trust in that void. And let's keep going in verse 10. And there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias. 
And to him said the Lord in the vision, Ananias, he said, behold, I am here, Lord. And leaven, and the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. Now, watch what's happening. In the void, in the void, Saul is not inactive. He's not laying on the bed and going, oh, God, I can't believe my life is happening this way. Oh, God, I can't believe my wife cheated on me or my business is falling apart or my clients, quote unquote, screwed me or my business partner screwed me or whatever the story is. There was no drama mama going on in the pit here. Notice what Saul was doing. Saul, in the darkest moments of his life, in this transition in which he could not see, he was not eating, he was not drinking for three days, he was without sight. What was he doing? What was he doing? Behold, he prayeth. Saul was seeking. He was seeking for the next step. He was saying, dear God, please send me someone. Send me something. Send me a podcast that could trigger me and light me on fire. You know, we haven't done a podcast in over a month. Over a month. I get it, people are pissed off about it and they're fired up and I get it, man, I'm pissed about it too. We got so many things we're building here with the warrior movement, including the book and all of the documentaries and everything we're trying to get up on par so that we can serve you. And in that place, I know that some of you have been praying. You've been praying and asking God. You've been in that dark moment. You're in that transition. You're saying, dear God, please send me a light. Send me a light. And into that void came the Warrior on Fire podcast. And into that void of your darkest night came a light that you were not anticipating. And some of you here never in a million years would have expected it to come from me through this path and this way. And I get it. And Ananias didn't know he was going to be called to walk into the life of a man named Saul. And Saul didn't know in that darkest of moments as he continued to seek, to ask, and to knock. As Jesus said, seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. Ask and you shall receive. And this is nice and pretty to talk about when everything's going the way that you want it. But how do you operate with this principle when stuff is not going the way that you want it? And so he asks and he's seeking in verse 12. And he hath seen a vision, a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. And see, brothers, we oftentimes need a mentor in our life. We need somebody, somebody else who is outside of our darkness, somebody else who has moved towards the light that we are searching to obtain. Somebody who can appreciate without judgment and understanding, can love on us in our darkest of nights and can guide us towards our brightest of days. And here comes Ananias, the mentor. Here comes Ananias, the called one. Here comes Ananias, the one who listened to the voice and he didn't want to listen either initially. He's like, I don't want to go talk to this guy. Do you know who this guy is? Ananias even questions it here in a moment with God. He's like, you got to be out of your mind. This dude was over here killing people, beating on people, crucifying people, taking them to prison. He was taking Christians like me, and now you want me to go talk to him? And how often do we feel called on the opposite side as mentors to go have a conversation with somebody, but it makes us uncomfortable? We're like, well, I don't want to go have a conversation with that guy. He's got tattoos. I don't want to have a conversation with that guy because, well, because he, he's all preppy and I don't understand it. I don't want to have a conversation with that guy because he's got these issues or he looks like this or he sounds like this. And, and our conversation becomes one of fear inside our lives as a mentor too. But understand here that Saul was not blindly lying around hoping that something was happening. He was actively searching for answers. And let's continue here in verse 13. And Ananias answered, Lord, Lord, I have heard many by many of this man 
how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. Now look at this, verse 13. Lord, I have heard, here we go, heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. See, people are going to talk shit in lots of different ways. And what I mean by that is you and I cannot trust, quote unquote, the opinions of another person's experience with someone. Can't tell you the number of years I wouldn't go connect with, talk with, be communed with another person because of the opinions of other people I knew who said, well, dude, you don't want to go hang out with Johnny because Johnny is this, 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 and this, bro, seriously. Or you know what? You don't want to go hang out with Sally because so-and-so and so-and-so told me da-da-da-da-da about Sally. So you know what? Don't go hang out with Sally. She's like da-da-da-da-da. And Ananias is pulling the same maneuver on God. He's like, listen, dude, do you not understand? People have been talking some serious smack about this guy, Saul. Like, I've heard some pretty insane stuff. Now, I haven't personally met him myself. But you know what? There's some stuff going on over here I hear about him that might be true, might not be true. But I'm telling you what, I'm not exactly excited to go have this conversation in verse 15. But the Lord said unto him, go thy way. For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles, the kings, and the children of Israel. Verse 16, for I show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. See, most of us, our capacity when it comes to creating is pretty weak. It's pretty weak because our ability to deal with pain is pretty low. Our threshold and tolerance for pain is pretty low. And because our threshold for pain is so low, when it comes to actually dealing with the burdens of the persecution that actually come when it, you would stand up and lead, you're not prepared for that kind of pressure. It's like a squat, right? So my body, my maximum back squat of all time was 475 pounds. Right now, my max is right around 380 to 400, depending on the day and depending on how I feel is going to be somewhere around in that range. Now, what's the difference between a person who squats that weight and some of my friends who squat 650 pounds? I have a friend of mine who squats 700 pounds. What's the difference between me and them? It's really simple. It's capacity to deal with pain. And also, a capacity that has dealt with that pain broke through that pain to a whole new level. What is the difference between a person who can take persecution one time on social media and can continue to produce versus a person who takes persecution one time and collapses into a ball of sack on the ground? See, all of us have this threshold that we are building. It's our power that comes on the other side of pain. Our capacity is linked up directly to the amount of pain that we're able to process in our life. Can you deal with the pain and can you still get up and play the game? So many people get hit with something they weren't expecting, cancer, bankruptcies, divorce, kids playing off, flying off the handle, money situations not working out, things not working out with gossip around our neighborhoods, and things going on, and we get hit and derailed because our ability to deal with pain is so low, because our capacity is so small. And here, here God is telling Ananias, listen, Verse 16, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And consider, consider that Ananias didn't understand that Saul was being prepared. He was being prepared, being prepared to be unafraid of the darkness, being prepared because the darkness he was about to go speak light into was the place he had lived in. 
He understood the void. He understood what was going on behind the swing set. He knew what had happened there. And unlike somebody who's hanged out their entire life inside the light, that entire life inside the light, that person is actually afraid of the darkness. And so they will continue to preach light to the light. These are a lot of the critics of Warrior on Fire who feel that Sunday worship itself can only be done a certain way. That somehow worshiping God and praising Jesus, somehow it has to be done a certain way. And so they sit and they go about this certain way and then they persecute anybody around them who's doing it possibly different. Now I support you if you want to do it your orthodox way. Go for it because it works for people. It works for a lot of people like my parents. It works in that direction, so keep rolling it. But who I'm speaking to are the people who don't get that language. They don't get that conversation. They're the Saul's transition into Paul's and the Paul's who have an appreciation for Saul. In verse 17, and Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, brother, Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way that thou hast come hast sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And verse 18, and immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. See, one of the greatest gifts that you and I have day to day is the willingness to receive the message through the messenger that it comes through. And I'm going to have to consider that God, God is never working through people the way that we think he's going to work through people. Almost never does it come through the person that we were anticipating. Our greatest transitions and our greatest learning comes most often through the people we were least expecting it from. Why? Because it's the area where we're the most receptive and open. Because our patterns become so intensely driven to a certain way of being that when we try to hear through that angle, it doesn't work. We don't hear. We can't understand. Mostly because our ears are tuned into and numbed out to that message. Ananias came in a different form. Saul was shaken to his core. And I love what it says in verse 18. And immediately there fell from his eyes as if it had been scales. And he received sight forthwith. See, there's this moment in each of our lives beyond the darkness that if we can endure that transition in the middle, that transitionary time where we cannot see and yet in that transition continue to seek to see, to seek to ask to knock, to have faith that is in action, that inevitably there comes a moment in which we can see and our scales as if they were fall from our eyes and we receive sight forthwith and we arise and are baptized, which ultimately means to be born again, to lay down our lives and to raise them back up, purified as a new man. Warrior on Fire is not a, not a podcast for perfect men. I'm certain there's some podcasts somewhere for perfect dudes who don't make any mistakes. Warrior on Fire is a podcast, it's real, it's raw, it's relevant, and it's driven by results. And the results that we're searching for here is having it all. Having it all in body, being, balance, and business. Ultimately being willing to take a stand in your life for having a life that matters. But understanding that what matters in your life is not just your light, but your darkest night. So the question I leave you with as we wrap up this podcast is this. Why are you afraid of the dark? 
And what might happen if you were willing to take a flashlight and walk directly into the night? What if you were willing to allow a man like Ananias or allow men, another man, a mentor, a woman, your wife, your children, what if you were willing to allow someone else into your darkness? What if they got to know all of you? What if you could come to terms with the Saul aspect of your journey? It took me years. It took me years. And yet I'll tell you right now, my greatest strength doesn't come from my, quote, light. It comes from my learning in the darkest of night. My empathy and compassion for humanity and for people around me, I'm not perfect with it, don't claim to be, don't care to be, because that would be impossible for me. But the level of empathy and compassion that I do have comes about because of my darkness understanding the pain inside my own life and being able to see that pain inside of others allows me a patience and a love for them in ways that I cannot offer, couldn't offer in the past. And it's growing every single day. Does that mean I don't punch a dude in the face occasionally? Does that mean I don't get fired up? Does that mean I don't get angry? Does that mean I don't yell at my kids and my wife? Does that mean that I don't get angry in business? Of course not. What it means though is I'm coming closer and closer to understanding what true unconditional love is of me. And I'd have you consider that coming to love all of you is the gateway to obtaining everything that God has promised you and I. In our next sermon, I'm gonna be breaking down a process I call power focus. And I'm going to talk about how we go about reframing this idea of our darkness, how we're able to take what is and what has happened in our lives, for example, like Saul, and how can we reframe this and ultimately become born again each moment, ultimately so that the grace of Jesus, that this itself can pour across our life in an active way, not necessarily in a theoretical way, like me and so many men I know have lived it for so many years. I appreciate you being here in this podcast. This wraps up our conversation with Saul and Paul, at least for now. In our next podcast, we're going to be diving into this idea of power focus, and we're going to be talking about perspective and specifically referencing the scripture when Jesus promises that it, what you seek, you shall find, ask, and you shall receive, knock, and it shall be opened unto you, and also the reference that a man cannot serve two masters. He will love the one and reject the other, or he will cling to the one and despise the other, for a man cannot love God and mammon at the same time. My friends, thank you so much for being here in this podcast. I hope you got value again. If you haven't subscribed and or shared this up with some friends, we'd encourage you to do that also if you're looking for some more love and fun and excitement. Again, remember, we're going to be bringing out the Daily Fuel, which is our five-minute turbo jam every single day that happens here on Warrior on Fire. Practical ways for living, just me going off on some rants and helping you think a little bit different and ultimately experience more and deeply what we call the Warrior's Way. But head on over to wakeupwarrior.com if you'd like to experience some free documentaries and some movies that we've put out teaching, obtaining, and giving you examples and case studies of men who are living this code every single day. Until then, have a fantastic rest of your week, rest of your day, rest of your night. This is Gary J. White saying love and light. Good afternoon, good morning, and good night. This is a podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warrior on Fire. On fire. <laughs> Share this with other men you feel need to, need hear. to hear. Don't forget to give us a review in, in iTunes, iTunes and subscribe. And subscribe.
So, is there a website? Wake Up Warrior. For more information and other amazing content for warrior men just like you, head on over to GarrettJWhite.com now.